0: you go ahead and have a seat this morning, as uh, it's kids camp time, and uh, called by name takes a seat. And uh... hey, I tell you, you know what? I just, I got this. Uh, you got one of these, right? And uh, I just want to capture the moment here. So let me just, uh, let's see, get to the photo thing. Here we go. Okay, you guys, smile, will you? I just want to want to capture this because, man, we got a nice full house today. So you ready? On three, one, two, three. You ready? Okay, there you go. Good. There you go. Now, I don't know how it works after that, but <laughs> I don't want to miss you guys over here because I don't want you... Okay, let me do it again here. Because, you know, when the moment comes, you just want to capture the moment, right? Isn't that the deal? Okay, you ready? Over here. One, two, three. Gotcha. Okay, good. Okay, all right, I'll get you guys over here too. Let's see. Just wait a minute here. Because, I mean, when those moments come that are so profound, you want to hang on to those moments. And so we have these wonderful gizmos now that allow us, right, to capture those moments. You ready? One, two, three. Gotcha. Okay, excellent. Isn't this fantastic? Because I can, like, capture the moment in this thing and take those pictures. Now i got all of you, right? And I can send you around the world. I mean, I can let everybody know about the reality of capturing the moment of this particular morning. And I can text it to people and send it there. And then I get home, I can hook wires up and I can download it on my computer. And then whenever I want, at any other time, I can in the future sit down and I can open up this file. I can bring you all back up. And what happens again? I capture the moment. I remember the moment. I can say, whoa, yeah, remember that day. A house was full. It was a good day. Oh, fantastic. Do you do that stuff? You know, we have been doing that in the church for centuries on a day like today. Palm Sunday. I mean, palm branches all around. Easter Sunday next week. I mean, we're... We're going to capture the moment. We've been doing that for centuries as the church. is just lifting up these significant, important days in in the life of Christ and just trying to capture that moment one more time and and tell that story again and again and and paint that picture so people can see it and understand it so we can just pass it to another generation and another generation and another generation. So every time they get that picture and understand the incredible significance of what it means to have Jesus today marching into Jerusalem, or to have Jesus next week rising from the tomb. That's what we're going to talk about in these two weeks. It's just capturing the moments. And so today, it's about palm branches and hosannas and capturing the moment. But what what does it mean? What does it mean for this experience in Jesus' life when He gathered on the Mount of Olives and marched into Jerusalem? Let's hear the story again. If we uh, go ahead, guys, in the slides and get up to the text. It comes out of Matthew 21. And in Matthew 21, it reminds us, When Jesus and his disciples came near Jerusalem, he went to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, and he sent two of them on ahead. He told them, Go into the next village uh, where you'll at once find a donkey and her colt. Untie the two donkeys and bring them to me. If anyone asks why you're doing that, just say, The Lord needs them. (laughs) Right away! He'll let you have the donkeys. So God's promise came true just as the promise had said, prophet had said, announced to the people of Jerusalem, your king is coming to you. He rides humble, rides on a donkey, he comes in a colt of a donkey. Okay, stop there for a minute. Isn't that an awesome Jesus we just experienced? Did you capture that moment? Did you get that picture? I mean, isn't that an awesome Jesus we just experienced right there? I mean, he he's kind of given commands. He's kind of CEO Jesus, you know. He's kind of given commands and instructions and telling people what to do. And, and amazingly, he kind of gives the command. He gives the instruction. And the disciples just carry it out. And they just do it. And when they go do it, what happens? Everything's just the way he had planned it. Everything is just the way he told them. And, and, and when they get the donkeys and they say, well, Jesus needs it. Okay, fine, good. To-. Then everything unfolds. Like Jesus has this all set, all prearranged, it's all ready to go. And note this, the disciples knew nothing about it until the experience unfolded in their life. Remember that. Remember that today. We're going to get back to that at the end, so hang on to that. Did you capture that? Capture that moment. They didn't know what was going on until Jesus unfolded and gave them instructions and they just followed what He commanded and it unfolded perfectly. Then the story goes on. The disciples left and did what Jesus had told them to do. They brought the donkey and its colt and they laid some clothes on their backs. Then Jesus got, uh, got on and, and many people spread their clothes in the road while others put down branches which they had cut from the trees Some people walked ahead of Jesus and others followed behind. They they were all shouting, Hooray for the Son of David! God bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord! Hooray for God in heaven above! When Jesus came to Jerusalem, everybody in the city was excited and they asked, Who can this be? The crowd answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Did you get that moment? Did you capture that moment? And here's Jesus riding on the donkey from the Mount of Olives down through the the main gate into Jerusalem. and, And the people see him coming and all of a sudden the branches are cut and the garments are off and everybody's shouting. Everything breaks loose because Jesus, the King, is coming. I mean, that's what the text tells us, right? I mean, this was like, like, like a kingly parade. I mean, this is the way kings did it. You know, they, they came to Mount of Olives because that's where it was supposed to happen, you know. And, and the king was supposed to march down and march in Jerusalem. I mean, he was doing everything that a king would do. And the people are responding to him just like they would respond to a king. This day declares Jesus as a king. Now, this should not surprise, surprise you. This should not surprise you at all. Because if, if you remember, there was another time when we were in this room and, and we were capturing another moment in the life of Jesus. It, it was back at Christmas. It was the last time some of you were here, remember? And uh, it was back at Christmas. And, and uh, we were capturing that moment, okay? And, and if you look at the moment, look at the slide there. Go ahead to the next one, if you will. Yeah, go ahead to the next one. I'm going to skip that. There you go. There it is, right there. When Jesus was born in the village of Bethlehem in Judea, Herod was king. During this time, some wise men from the east came to Jerusalem and they said, "Where is the child born to be? King of the Jews. Remember that? Did you capture that moment? We had that back at Christmas where we had the information come to us and tell us, look, a new king has come into the world. A new king has been born. What an interesting text. You've got Herod, who is king, being asked by some wise men, so like, where where would we find your replacement? Where do we find the replacement for the earthly king? And now in Jerusalem. Now in Jerusalem, Jesus comes down the Mount of Olives and He begins to march into Jerusalem and do exactly what He was born to do. Be a king. Now, the slide I skipped, if you go back, Zechariah tells us that in Zechariah 9. He tells us about this very experience, and look how he starts. He said, everyone in Jerusalem celebrate and shout. what's the next words? Your king, you see that? Your king has won a victory. He is coming to you. He is humble and rides on a donkey. He comes on the colt of a donkey. What did Zechariah know centuries before this Palm Sunday experience? He knew a king was going to march in Jerusalem. We've got Zechariah centuries before telling us about this moment, that in this moment, if we just capture it to understand, this is Jesus being exactly what he was born to be, a king. And he comes marching into Jerusalem. Jesus is being that king who is replacing all the kings of this world. Now, the people in Jerusalem, they were ready for a king. I mean, Jerusalem right now is is Passover. It's packed with people. It's just like this powder keg keg of anxiety and anxiousness because all of these Jews are there in Jerusalem and they're all ready for the Passover. And they're still being oppressed by the Romans. and, And only a few of the leaders do, you know, play ball with the Romans. Everybody else hates the Romans. And they can't wait for a king to come in And replace them. And they remember another moment. They remember a moment 200 years before Jesus came marching in when there was a Greek ruler who came in and made himself king. And when he came in, he went into the temple and he sacrificed a pig in the temple and he made the priests drink their blood. You know what happened that day? The Maccabeans revolted. The Maccabeans revolted against this Greek ruler and they kicked him out of Jerusalem and they established a new kingdom of the Maccabees. And and to commemorate it, they printed some coins. They printed some coins. And on those coins, you know what they put? Palm leaves. They put palm leaves. You, You think it's a coincidence that when Jesus comes into Jerusalem, the people start throwing down palm leaves? No, they're ready for a king. They've been ruled for centuries now. They've had the Assyrians, they've had the Babylonians, they've had the Medes, they've had the Greeks, and now they have the Romans with their feet on their throats. They are tired of the kings that they've had. And they're waiting under that promise that God made that one day the Messiah would come. The king, the real king, would come. Now here's what's amazing. What's amazing about this is that they chose this path. The people, God's people, chose the path of having an earthly king. If you go back to, uh, to uh, Samuel, 1 Samuel uh, 8, we get the experience of where these people of God, I mean, God is ruling over them, God is their, their, their king, right? And in 1 Samuel 8, they decide they want an earthly king. Here's the way it goes. It says, one day the nation's leaders came to Samuel and Ramah and said, hey, Sam, you're getting old, man. And uh, you set a good example, but your sons, they're not following it. Now we want a king to be our leader. Notice what's next. Just like all the other nations. Who do they want to be like? They just want to blend into the world. They, they want a worldly king. They want a king of the earth. They want a worldly king so they can be like, like everybody else out there. They, prior to this, they've been following God. But now, no, they, they don't want to. They want an earthly king. They want to be just like everybody else. So they say, choose one for us, Sam. Samuel was upset and he went to pray about it. And, and God talks to him, and it comes next. He said the Lord answers Samuel, I'll do everything they want you to do. I am really the one they have rejected as their king. Who are they rejecting as their king? They want an earthly king instead of the king of kings and the Lord of lords. See that? Ever since the day I rescued my people from Egypt, they have turned from me to worship idols. Are you capturing the moment? You see, they chose the kings of this world. Instead of the lordship of God in their life. And you know what? We do the same thing. We do the same thing. We, we turn to the king of success. And what happens? That king takes away our family. Because we spend so much time trying to be successful. Successful. Or or we turn to the king of this world called lust. And we give it so much time and so much emotion that we lose our marriage. Or you can go all the other kings of this world. We we turn to the king of popularity, young people. We turn to the king of popularity. And we lose our integrity. Why? Because that's what kings do. Worldly kings they take away from us. Samuel, in the next slide, Samuel makes, he said, he told the people who are asking for a king, and the Lord told them, Tell them what a king will do, right? He says, If you have a king, this is how a king's going to treat you. He'll force your sons to join the army. Some of them will ride his chariots. Some will serve in his cavalry. Others will run out in front of his, his chariot. Some of them will be officers of soldiers, soldiers of thousands and fifty. Go ahead. Still others will have the, to farm the king's land and harvest their crops and make weapons and part, and for part of his chariots. And, and your daughters will have to make perfume or do his cooking or baking. Now look at this. The king will take your best fields as, you, as, your, as well as your vineyards and olive orchards and, and give them to his own officials. He will do what? He'll take also a tenth of your grain and grapes and give it to his officers. Remember who's supposed to get a tenth? Now the king takes a tenth, right? Keep going. Then the king will do what? Take. The king's going to take you and your slaves and your best young men, your donkeys, and make them to do his will. He'll also take a tenth of your sheep and your goats, and he and you will become the king's slaves, and you'll finally cry out to the Lord to save you from the king you wanted. But the Lord won't answer your prayers. What happens to earthly kings? They take. They take. Are you capturing the moment? Are you getting the picture? You see, there's so many earthly kings that you deal with every single day. And those kings, they want to take your life away. They want to take your dreams away. They want to take your purpose away. They want to take your integrity away. They want to take your relationships away. They want to take and take and take and take and they want to take your eternity away Are you capturing the moment? But there was one day. There was one day in Jerusalem on the Mount of Olives when Jesus the real king came. And he's not like a king of this world. He is a giving king. He is a giving king. And 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 the people the people knew this because they'd experienced his giving. If you go into John 6 and you look at that, it says the people, they they ate all they wanted and and Jesus and disciples gathered up leftovers and and there's nothing to be wasted and this is 5,000 people or more getting fed. Why? Because Jesus is just giving. He's not expecting anything in return. He's just giving. And they get full and, they, and their lives become complete. And at the end they see the reality and look what they want to do in verse 15. And Jesus realized that they would try to force him to be their king. Why? Because every other king had left them so empty. And Jesus is the only king that can fill up life. He's the only king that can fill up life. But he won't force himself on you. He won't force Himself on you, and you can't force Him to be something He isn't. You can't force Him to just be your prosperity king. You, you can't force Him to, to just forgive you whenever you need forgiveness and ignore Him the rest of the time. You, you can't force Him to be a convenient king. He is the King of kings and the lords of lords, and He proved it because He was willing to give up absolutely everything And he gave it all up when he rode into Jerusalem and he went to a cross. Look what it said over his, remember the cross? What did it say on top of the cross? Above it he said, put a sign that told why he had been nailed there. And it read, say it with me, will you? This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. What is he? He's the king. You see, he proved it. He proved, But he wasn't the king they expected. He was a giving king. And this giving King, this Lord of Lords, this King of Kings, is still King. And, and remember, I asked you to capture the moment in the very beginning. And this King of Kings is still Lord of Lords, who is ruling the universe. And He has a dream for your life, and a purpose for your life, and an intention for your life. And He is ready to let your life unfold as He pours Himself into it. What the disciples have to do? Just follow His instructions. Remember? They just had to follow and let the king be king. All the kings of this world will try to steal your life. This king comes to pour life into you. And all we have to do is surrender. Surrender and say, absolutely, everything that I am, everything that I'll ever be is his. He is Lord of Lord, King of Kings, and my Lord and Savior. And he promises to not be like the kings of this world, but to be the king who rode into your life to pour himself into you. It's what he says in, in the last verse in John 10. He says, a thief comes only to rob, kill, and destroy. That's those kings in the world, right? But I came so that everyone would have life and have it how? He is the King of kings and the Lord. of Capture the moment. Capture the moment. But remember, it's not about throwing just palm branches down. It's not about laying just garments down. It's about laying the rest of your life. Laying the rest of your life before this King. And if you lay your life there, He will fill it to overflowing just to get you to think about that, to ponder that as we end this morning. Why don't you go ahead and watch the screens, capture the moment of that Palm Sunday experience, and uh, maybe this video will help you see it.